These ten messages that I'm bringing, which are called Foundations for the Faith, the second message today on humility, and then uh, next uh, Sunday uh, will be July the 1st, and I'm going to preach a message entitled, Will God Spare America? I'm going to kind of get away from the foundational messages. But you'll want to hear this message. Will God spare America? I'm trusting the Lord to give me His heart. And then on July the 8th and 15th, messages on submission and surrender. And they're in the bulletin, and you just pray and try to be here and bring someone with you. And and if you can't, then you can get it on uh, uh, CD or whatever. Today, I want to take the second message on humility. I want you to open your Bible to two passages. Isaiah 14 and Philippians chapter 2. As, as I thought about this, it is, I can't get away from the devilish pride dis, that described Lucifer in Isaiah 14 and the awesome, godly humility found in Jesus in Philippians 2. The contrast is unbelievable. And I think as we see the devilish pride in the devil and see the awesome humility in Jesus, it gives us a contrast of how wicked pride is, but how glorious humility is. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, here is pride at its greatest and its height. Lucifer, an exalted place in heaven. But you know what? Listen to him. In verse 12 of Isaiah 14, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? Listen to this. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest part depth of the pit. I That's the heart of pride. But then you turn over to Philippians chapter 2. And man, you you, you see the unbelievable humility in Jesus, the Son of God. I, I have read portions of a book this week by Andrew Murray entitled Humility. And Andrew Murray says that the greatest virtue of Jesus in his coming to earth and dying on the cross... The greatest virtue of Jesus in his redemption was his humility. And the more I read it, the more I believe he's right. In Philippians chapter 2, listen to the humility. And I just heard the devilish pride of Lucifer, the devil, son of the morning. Now I turn to the marvelous, matchless, magnificent son of God. And we see here, it says in verse 5 of Philippians 2, 
Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. You have the same heart and the same mind that Jesus had. Who being in the form of God, perfect deity, 100% God. Not a God, but the God. Who being in the form of God, thought it not something to be held on to. To be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. Wow. By the way, he was born in a stable. He wasn't born in the Hilton. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a bond servant. A servant? He who was there in creation and when God said, let there be light, Jesus was right there saying, "Being a, through him all things were created. The magnificent eternal son of God. Forever preexistent, forever eternal. He said, who, who, who took upon himself the form, made no reputation, and then the form of a, of a bond servant. And he came in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Well, you know, it seems to me he humbled himself when he left heaven. It seems to me he humbled himself when he became of no reputation seems to me that he humbled himself when he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men but oh it says here being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death he humbled himself all the way to the cross all the way hanging on the tree he humbled himself to the, and became obedient unto death to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God highly exalted him man I look at the devilish pride of the devil I will ascend and then I look at the awesome humility of Jesus he humbled himself died on the cross perhaps the greatest virtue of Jesus in it all was his humility you know Andrew Murray said that we we, we really understand our humility now stay with me when we understand our nothingness our nothingness and that our entire sufficiency is in God who created us and into Jesus who redeemed us. I, that word just got me. Our nothingness apart from the God who created us. Our nothingness apart from the Savior who died for us. We understand our nothingness and how that God created us so that his life and his power could be lived through us. You know, you really want to see the humility of Jesus? In the 15th chapter of John, no, in the Gospel of John, and by the way, why don't you turn over here and just, I want to just read two or three verses to you. I want, I want to show you in the words of Jesus his humility, how he was, saw himself as nothing apart from the Father and was totally, 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 dependent on him 
in John uh, chapter 5, verse 19. These are the words of Jesus now. And listen to his humility. This was his lifestyle. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. He said, I cannot do anything apart from my father. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. Then over in verse 30 of John chapter 5, listen to him. This is Jesus. His absolute nothingness apart from the father, but the total sufficiency of the father. He said, I can do nothing of myself. I can of myself do nothing. Wow. Jesus said, you just don't understand. I can of myself do nothing. It's the father. Then in John chapter 5, verse 41, listen to this. Talking about humility. I do not receive honor from men. I do not receive honor from men. He said the only honor he would receive would be from his father. Then in John chapter 6, verse 38, we see the words of Jesus again. talking. We see his humility. He says, for I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. He said, I have, I have no will but the Father's will. Man, that's humility. He said, I came not down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then in John seven sixteen, Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine. What you hear me say is not mine. It's his that sent me. Total nothingness and absolute dependence on his Father. My doctrine's not mine. It's him that sent me. And then over in um, chapter 7, verse 28, he said, I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true. He said, I didn't just come on my own will and belief. No, I I did not come of myself. But he who sent me is true. John 8, 28 We again see the humility of Jesus in what he said. In verse 28, he said of John 8, he said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. Man, absolute, total surrender and dependence upon His Father. Jesus lived on this earth as a man just like you and me. The only difference in Jesus and you and me, we inherited the nature of Adam, the sinful, wicked nature of Adam, and our tendency was to sin, and we did sin. We got the nature from Adam, and we acted on it ourselves. The only difference between Jesus and you and me was when he was born of the Virgin Mary, he did not have a sinful nature. That's why the virgin birth was so important. But he lived on this earth as a man, full of the Holy Spirit, and he lived on this earth absolutely understanding his nothingness, but his total completeness in God the Father. And that's why Jesus said over and over and over and over again, of myself, I can do nothing. My doctrine is not of myself. He was absolutely living out a life of complete humility. In verse 42 of John 8, he says, If God God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself. He said, I didn't come of myself, but he sent me. And then he says in verse 50 
of John 8, I do not seek my own glory. Woo. He said, I didn't come to seek my own glory. I do not seek my own glory. There's one who seeks and judges. You know, it seems to me like that the pattern for humility is in Jesus. His absolute dependence on the Father. Doing nothing of himself. Only what he heard the Father say. Only what he saw the Father do. Only what the Father directed. It seems to me that that's the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with him. Father, without you, I'm, I'm nothing. But you know, Jesus, without you, I'm nothing. But in you, I'm complete. And that was Jesus' relationship with his Father. And then Jesus, a Father, without you, I can do nothing. And he said it over and over again. But then he said, but through you, I can do all things. It's almost like humility is realizing our nothingness apart from God, apart from Jesus, but how that in him we are complete and that the whole purpose is that God can live his life in us and his through us and the very humility of Jesus will be lived through our life where we're totally dependent on him, just totally dependent on him. You know what's wrong with the church today? We think we can operate without God. <laughs> the church depends upon buildings, and you have to have a place to meet. They had a temple and a tabernacle. The church depends on buildings, depends on programs, depends on personalities, depends on this, that, and the other. Let me tell you one thing. Until the church realizes its absolute nothingness apart from a holy and a righteous God, and its total dependence on the head of the church, Jesus Christ, the church will be a powerless factor in this world. We really believe we can do it without God. We really believe that somehow we're smart enough, slick enough, and wise enough. Let me tell you something. This is a wicked and an ungodly world, and we're fighting a de demonic devil who would destroy people and is doing it. And a powerless church will never make a difference in this world. It is only when we humbly bow before God and say, God, we as a church are helpless. We are helpless. And we'll never change anybody apart from the power of the living God. Man, it, 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 it somehow, I don't know what word to say to see how that we just have missed it. And we're trying to serve God in the flesh. And we're trying to reach a world in the flesh. We've gone back to Egypt for help. And God says, how foolish, how foolish. Listen, all you've got to do is humble yourself and totally abandon yourself to me. And I, the living God, will do what only God can do. Now, that's true in your life. Man, you're trying to work it out. You're trying to solve it. You're trying to resolve it. Listen to me. God wants you to realize that you can't do it. You cannot do it. If you could do it, you wouldn't need God. He wants you to understand that you can't do it. And he wants you to totally depend on him and cry out to him and surrender to him and let him have control of your life. See, it's all about this thing. He created us for himself. And when we start living independent of him, then we're missing the whole purpose of his creation. The humility of Jesus. That needs to be 
That humility of Jesus needs to be lived out in us through Jesus himself. I just want to take just a moment and just show you. You know, Jesus did give a parable about, about humility. And, and I'm not going to get into it a great deal because I've already said mainly what God wanted me to say. How that we've got to totally depend on him. Totally live our lives surrendered completely to Jesus and saying, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. If you ever learn that, you're, 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 you're almost home, I'm telling you. Jesus gave the story in Luke 18. Now stay with me. There were two men who went up to the temple to pray. If you want to turn, it's Luke 18.10. Two men went to the temple to pray. It's a parable. A earthly story with a significant spiritual meaning. And it's an entire parable about pride and humility. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, very religious. The other a tax collector, a publican, very sinful in that day. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, oh, by the way, verse 9 really kind of gives you the setting. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Now, let's just stop right there. Jesus knew who his audience was. He knew his audience. And he knew that he was speaking to a bunch of people that were trusting in themselves. That's what he says. So, you know, Jesus never did back off, you know. You know, I heard this, and, and, and it troubled me. But, I, I mean, it, it, it was true. He said, not long ago, a pastor had been at a church for about 25 years, apologized to his congregation that for the first 23 years he was there, he purposely tried to preach sermons that wouldn't offend him. That when he prepared his sermon, said, well, I want to preach in such a way not to offend anyone. Well, dear God, Jesus never preached that way. That's all I got to say. <laughs> he called them a generation of vipers. And I asked him how they were going to escape the damnation of hell. And so here Jesus knows his audience, and there are a bunch of people that are trusting in themselves. Oh, my heavens, trusting in themselves. How do you spell America? Humanism, humanism, humanism. Trusting in themselves. He spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And look at this. They despised others. They looked down on others. They despised them. You know, they're just a bunch of sinners. All right, read on. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I am not even like that wicked sinner tax collector over there. I, I'm not like that tax collector. He said, in fact, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. You're saying, well, God is certainly pleased with what this man just said, that he's not an extortioner, he's not an adulterer, he's not unjust, he's not a tax collector, he's religious. But, you know, Jesus said he went home from church and he wasn't right with God. Why? He was proud. But I want you to look at the next verse, verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, 
the, the Pharisees stood right in the middle of the rest of the Pharisees. He stood right in the middle. He was right down front with all the congregation. The Pharisees stood right in the middle of the rest of the Pharisees and thanked God he wasn't like other men and told them what he did religiously. But now this sinner, this tax collector, uh, wouldn't even stand close to him. He just got off by himself. And the Bible says he began to beat on his chest and he began to cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, he wouldn't even lift his head to heaven. Obviously, the conviction of God on this man was so strong. God had so convicted him. He he, he just wouldn't even look up to heaven. And he started beating on his chest and saying, Oh, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, you say, well, what was God's response to the Pharisee who thanked God that he wasn't like other men, who told God how religious he was? Well, what was God's response to him? And what was God's response to a man who wouldn't even look up, but in brokenness beat on his chest and cried for mercy? What was the response of God? What's that all about? Notice what it says. I tell you, this publican, verse 14, this tax collector, went down to his house justified. You know, he went home from church right with God. He was right with God. I tell you, this tax collector went home justified rather than the other. The Pharisee didn't. Now, are you ready? For everyone that exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, this whole parable was about humility. The Pharisee exalted himself. Jesus said, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be brought down. But if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. This is a whole story about pride and humility. I'll just show four things. Number one, pride refuses to admit its need. You know what was wrong with the Pharisee? It wasn't so much what he said. It's what he didn't say. I want you to listen to him now. Because Jesus said he went home. He was proud. Went home not right with God. See, I know what he said. I thank you that I'm not like other men. Well, but, 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 but he did say, I'm not an extortioner. Well, certainly God hates sin. I, I'm, I, I'm not a tax collector. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unjust. You know, so there was, I mean, certainly God hates sin. But, but he didn't accept this from this Pharisee. He didn't accept it. And then certainly the Bible teaches us that fasting is a part of a way of life as the Holy Spirit of God directs us. And, and that tithing is, is, is a way of life. And, and so it wasn't what he said. It was what was in his heart. Did you notice about him? Not one time did he ever say that he needed God. He never said, he didn't say, God, here I am and I I just want you to know that I'm a needy man. He never admitted he was needy. He never admitted it. He did everything but that. He bragged on what he wasn't and he bragged on what he did. He, He never acknowledged to God. God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. 
God, I, I, I desperately need your mercy. I desperately need your grace. I desperately need your forgiveness. I need your life. I need your presence. I need your power. Dear God, I, here you are, holy, holy, holy. And here I am, and I fall so far short of God, of who you are. And God, I just want you to know I've come to the temple today to, to acknowledge how desperately I need you. Let me ask you something. When you come to Luke 4, 18 on fellowship, uh, Luke 4, 18 fellowship on Sunday morning, are you saying to God, I'm here because I desperately need you, oh God? Do you know how desperately you need him? See, it, he, he had no idea of his need. He wouldn't even acknowledge it. See, because pride refuses to admit its need. But boy, I love the, I love the tax collector. Man, did he ever more know he was needy? Man, God, he was broken before God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That, that thrills the heart of God. Folks, I, I really believe I, in fact, I know I was saved when I was nine years old. I, I was. And when I was um, 1968, I had an encounter with Jesus that was even greater than my conversion as a nine-year-old where I understood the Lordship of Christ and my life was radically transformed. And that to me was even greater than my conversion. But you know, I'm, a day doesn't pass that I don't cry out to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But you say, Brother Fred, you're saved. I know I'm saved. Your sins are forgiven. I know they're forgiven. But I tell you, I'm still living in this world. And sometimes their thoughts and attitudes and words and I, let me tell you something. You never can go wrong when you cry out to God in humility. Hey, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what the Bible says? It says through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're to come to the throne of grace. Why? To obtain mercy and to find grace because we're so needy. Pride refuses to admit its need. Humility says, God, be merciful to me. Humility says, I'm needy. But you know the second thing in this story? The pride is self-sufficient. It, 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 it won't admit it can't meet its own need. You know what this guy said? Why did he do this? God knew this. Why did he say to God, I fast twice a week? Why did he tell him that? I'm, th I'm fully assured that God was aware of what was going on in his life, aren't you? And I want you to know I give tithes of all that I possess. I am a tither. Well, God knew. I I'm thankful for fasting and tithing. But listen to me. Why did he tell? Why did he say that? Because I'm going to tell you exactly why he said it. I believe the Holy Spirit dealt with him. And inside he sensed a need. You, listen, you need to cry out to God now. Uh, but you know what? He said, no, I, I, can, I, I can take care of that by my religious works. Lord, if the, you know, I don't even know if he thought it, but it's almost like, well, if there is a need at all, if there is a need at all, I've taken care of it. I'm a very religious man. I took care of my needs by being religious. I fasted and I tithed. Let me tell you something. You cannot take care of your spiritual needs by religious acts and deed. The only one that can meet the needs of your heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And so he just said, if I've got a need, I can take care of it. He wouldn't admit that he couldn't meet his own need. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He's, he, look at I am not like other men. I fast and I tie. That sounds like Lucifer in Luke 14, in Luke of uh, Isaiah 14, uh, verse 6. I ascend, I ascend. He said, I, I, uh, not like other men, I fast. I not one time did the publican ever say I. He said, God. God. He didn't say I, he said, God. God, be merciful to me. He made it personal. A sinner. You see, humility says not only am I needy, but man, only God can meet my needs. There's no religious act or deed I can do to be righteous before God. His righteousness is a gift of faith through Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, my main thing is to walk in, in fellowship with God, to be right with God, to let him be the Lord of my life and control me. And so he realized that only God could meet his needs. And that's why he never said I. He said God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's just two more things. You know, the third thing is, as I read this story that Jesus gave, pride refuses to admit its need. Humility says, I am desperately needy. Pride refuses to admit it can't meet its own need. I can take care of myself. I'm religious enough. I really don't need your help, God. I don't need to get right with you. I don't need to repent. And, but humility says, Listen, God, it's all a matter of our relationship with each other. And I need your mercy and I need your grace and I need your forgiveness and I need the precious blood of Jesus and I need forgiveness and I need your life. See, it's all about saying, Lord, I, I can't meet my own needs. That's humility. But there's a third thing here that is very obvious to me. Is that pride is more concerned about a pleasing men than pleasing God. Pride is more concerned about the approval of men than the approval of God. Pride is more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Now, how do I know that? Now, if you'll read that, and I hope you will, the Bible says the Pharisee prayed thus with himself. Let me tell you where he was. You see, there was a bunch of other Pharisees in there in the temple that day. And he was right down in the middle of most of them could call him by name. And so he just said, he just started praying thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. Did y'all hear that? I'm not an extortioner. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Did y'all hear that? Do y'all really know how spiritual I am? I need to inform you. I am really spiritual. <laughs> in fact, Lord. I fast twice a week. I'm one up on y'all. Y'all only do it once a week. And I'm a tither. Listen, he could have cared less in his spirit. He may not have known it, whether God heard him or not or was pleased. He just wanted to be sure everybody else around there knew who he was, knew what he wasn't, and knew what he did. Because he had one thing on his heart. He, 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 wanted, to, he wanted the praise of men more than he wanted the praise of God. And he wanted to, uh, he, he wanted to uh, uh, do that which would men would approve of instead of what God would approve of. He was more concerned about what people thought than what God thought. 
And let me tell you about pride. Pride will control you because it'll get you to the place that you're more concerned about what people think about you and about pleasing people and praising people that it'll keep you from doing what God wants you to do. You say, Brother Fred, that would never happen to me. Can I just ask you one question? Has the Spirit of God ever spoken to your heart and said, now I want you to do this? And your first thought was, what will they think? Now, if you've never felt that way, you're lying. I'm just telling you right now. Listen, I've had times God would say to me, now I want you to do this. And it was true to the scripture. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't idiotic. It was just something God wanted me to do that I knew people probably wouldn't understand. And many of them, because they were carnal, would not approve of. And God said, now I want you to do this. And my first thought was, well, Lord, what will they think? Why would I care what they think? Because I wanted to please them more than I pleased God. You know, it's a subtle thing, y'all. How many times have we not stepped out by faith and obeyed God because we were concerned about the, the approval of men and how they would perceive us, and, and we're more concerned about men's praise than God's praise? Do you know what Jesus said? This is one of the most disturbing verses in all the Bible. It's found in, in, in that same Gospel of John. It's the fifth chapter. And it's the 44th verse. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Now, this is going to help you. He said, how can you believe who receive honor one from another and you don't seek the honor that comes from God only? Jesus said that. He said, how are you going to believe when you're seeking the honor that comes from each other and you are not seeking the honor that comes from God? How are you even going to believe? Humility is more concerned about what God thinks than people think. To be honest with you, we would feel uncomfortable with the publican. We would. Our flesh would feel uncomfortable with him. I trust our spirit would not. But you see, it would, what he did would have embarrassed some of us. The Bible says he wouldn't lift his eyes toward heaven. And he actually began to strike himself on his chest crying, God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He could care less what the rest of the Pharisees, he could care less what the Pharisees thought. He could care less about anybody thought. The only audience he had was with God. And the only one he needed to please was God. And the only one he needed to get right with was God. So what he did was he totally laid aside the approval and praise of men. And he beat on his chest and cried, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Humility is more concerned about God's opinion than man's opinion. It's more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing men. Humility is more concerned about God's approval than man's approval. Here's the last thing. Pride will refuse to admit its need. Humility admits its need. Pride refuses to admit it can't meet its own need. It's self-sufficient. Humility readily admits I can't meet my needs. It's God-sufficient. Pride is more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Humility is more concerned about what God thinks than people think and about pleasing God. And here's the last one, and that is this. Boy, this is a tough one. Pride always sees the sins of other people. Pride always sees I'm talking about religious pride now. 
lost people, they're just all in the same boat living in sin. And they say, well, he sends one way, I send another, you know. But religious pride always sees the sins of others. I thank you that I'm not like other men. In fact, see that guy, I don't know what he's doing here. He shouldn't be in church. A tax collector, I'm not like him. But boy, I tell you one, he is a thief. God, in case you don't know it, that boy is a thief. And I don't feel comfortable going to church with a bunch of thieves. <laughs> well, if you say, I don't feel comfortable with going to church with sinners, you've got to stay home. That's all I've got to say. But you know, he just, uh, he, 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 he didn't even see his own sin. Well, how do you know Brother Freddie had sin? Jesus said he went home from church not right with God. Pride always sees the sins of others. I can't get away from this verse that Jesus gave. And uh, uh, I, I think I got the, the right verse. Um, it may have been John, John 5, 44. I may have given you the wrong one. But uh, in, in, somewhere in, 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 in the New Testament, Jesus says. <laughs> so you go find it. See, it'll help you. It's in Luke's where it's at. It's in Luke. Jesus said, why can you point out the speck that's in your brother's eye and you can't even see the telephone pole that's in your own eye? Did you know he said that? He called it a plank. I chose telephone pole. I think I can relate to that better. Jesus said, boy, you're really good at it, man. There's a little speck in his eye and you see it and you point it out and you can't even see the telephone pole, the plank in your own eye. He said, man, that, that's inconsistent. Let me tell you something about sin, pride. It always sees other people's sins. Now, let me just say this. Unless you put blinders on, you, you're going to see other people's sin. You, you will see it. I mean, all you got to do is live in this world. But let me tell you something about how you can know whether it's, if you're seeing it the way God. If you see other people's sins, it will break your heart and cause you to be broken over them and to pray for them. But that wasn't true with the Pharisee. He just said, I just thank you that I'm not like other men. And, you know, they are just wicked. It didn't break his heart. It didn't make him burden for the publican. It didn't make him go over and put his arms around him and tell him how much God loved him. And he loved him. See, pride sees other people's sin, and it judges them. It judges them. It's just not broken over them. It doesn't, it doesn't break their heart. See, that, that's not the heart of God. Jesus hated sin, y'all, but he loved sinners. So pride always sees other people's sins and judges them. Humility always sees its own sin. Did you know how to, th uh, I, I would love to be the pastor of the tax collector. Because, man, he got right with God. Lord, give me a thousand tax collectors because he got right with God. All he saw was his own sin. He said, God, be merciful to who? Say it. God be merciful. God be merciful to the deacons. They're carnal. God be merciful to the pastor. He ain't got it. And more, that, 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 that woman in my Sunday school class, God be merciful to her, please. No, no, no. God be merciful to me. That's where it always starts. That's where it's got to start. 
God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe the foundational truth is that we have to walk and live in the humility of Jesus. And we can't work up the humility of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you live in me. One of your greatest virtues on this earth was your humility. And Jesus, I want you to live a life of humility in me. And I want you to live a life of humility through me. Oh, Jesus, please, live a life of humility in me and live a life of humility through me so that I will know my need and that only Jehovah, you knew it, Jesus. You said, I do nothing of myself and that only God can meet my need. And, and Jesus, you, you, you really d- were not concerned about the approval of men. You, you knew they were going to kill you. You just were concerned about pleasing the Father. So would you live that life of humility in me, Jesus? And would you constantly search me and show me my own sin so that I can repent and I can walk in repentance before you? Folks, listen to me. Until you're walking in humility, Christ in his humility is living in you and through you. You're not going to go any further. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I love this verse. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time.